to your shelf or mine i'm becky standall youth services librarian at the Longview public library and i'm elizabeth partridge adult services librarian at the longview public library welcome today is july first correct the first the first of july yesterday kind of felt like two days yesterday was immensely long yes it was so do you want to um, start off with an announcement from you today? Is, is that how you want to start this? Yeah. <laughs> um, so today is my potentially last Your Shelf or Mine episode. Hopefully not. Hopefully we can figure something out. Yeah, but have you back on. Uh, yeah. Um, but for now, this is my last Your Shelf or Mine episode, and I am leaving the Longview Public Library. So July 15th will be my last day. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty wild. You're going to be going to Florida. Yes, I am moving to Florida right now. It's Um, insane. And normally a person of sound mind would reconsider, but (laughs) I'm off. Yeah, it's, it's a hard, I I imagine it would be hard because it's obviously it's like the, you know, like. It's a decision you have to make for like the next several years based on what's going on the next, you know, couple of weeks or months. Correct. So you have yeah. to like keep a big picture look at the same time as making all these precautions and stuff. For- right. Yeah. And, and it's and it's interesting because I am very excited about mm-hmm. this opportunity that I have. And um, the opportunity presented itself before the pandemic presented itself. So, well, not necessarily before, but it wasn't bad when all of this right. was taking place. So, so um, it's also a reminder to myself constantly that this too shall pass. Mm-hmm. And I have to take advantage of the opportunity that is presented um, knowing full well that things will be different soon, hopefully sooner rather than later, and that this is what I want to do. So I kind of have to do it. So Yeah, and it is pretty exciting. Um, could you tell us a little bit about the job that you accepted? Yes, I accepted the position of library services manager for Manatee County Libraries in Manatee County, Florida. Um, I will be responsible for um, currently six libraries and a literacy center, um, early literacy center, and they are building another library. So it will eventually be seven libraries. So and they're building that right now. Yeah, they're in the well, they are in the architectural plans right now. Mm -hmm. So um, but funding has been allocated and I mean, obviously things might change now, but they're proceeding with all of their mm-hmm. planning and um, I'm already sitting in on architecture and furniture meetings. So <laughs> it's exciting. Yeah, yeah. Very exciting. And it's in Florida, which is warm. And yeah. as everyone knows, 
everyone who has been listening for the last few years, I prefer warm over cold any day of the week. That's true. May yeah. you never be cold again. Exactly. Thank you. It's like an Irish <laughs> proverb. <laughs> I mean, granted, you know, for anybody who, who does not know, I am very fair skinned and redheaded. So it seems rather dumb <laughs> but spf 100 exists so and so do like hats and stuff exactly <laughs> you just get some big floppy hats absolutely that's what i should do just invest mm-hmm. in big floppy hats but it's exciting i'm really excited and and i mean this 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 virus has changed how you th- how you need to think about things too i mm-hmm. i am also, as everyone knows that's been listening, is I love to travel. It's something I like to do very much. And particularly, I had my Panama plan all worked out, but it doesn't seem like that's going to happen anytime soon. Mm-hmm. So moving to Florida, where it's very reminiscent of the tropical climate, is a great thing for me because then I can kind of have my cake and eat it, too. So, <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. yeah, I'm excited about the opportunity. I love uh, uh, the idea of, of working with a big team on library stuff. It's, it's really, really, I, I don't know. I, I, the, the thought of it just makes me giddy. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, all kinds of, all kinds of good and it's going to be sad to leave. I'm going to miss everybody, but y'all know where I'm going. So it's not like you couldn't come see me. Yeah, probably not for a little while. Yeah, I'd wait till the airplanes aren't disgusting. But <laughs> yeah, 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 and that's that's the other thing is that I'm driving across the country. I will not be taking any airplanes, or I'm I'm a little I'm a little um, concerned, I guess is the best word, about the condition of hotels along the way. And and to that end, I am taking a tent and sleeping bags Mm -hmm. just in case it doesn't look habitable or it feels like we're going to get infected. So (laughs) yeah. Yeah. And then we have a cleaning case that we're taking with us too. Mm -hmm. So so they obviously aren't going to clean well enough for us. So we're going to, we're going to spray it down on our way. Well, good. I'm glad you're very prepared for that. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It'll be, it'll be different. I mean, it's kind of weird for you to leave now when everything is already so different. Yeah. You know, I've been thinking about it quite a bit and, and obviously I have a lot invested in the Longview library and I, I hope. How long have you been? In October, it would have been 15 years. So a good, a good, goodly amount of time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, I, I put my heart and soul into that place and to the programs mm-hmm. and to the people we serve so i i hope beyond hopes that everything works out and and everything's able to come back to life i mean everything just kind of feels like like there's obviously nothing we can do mm-hmm. to change the way the situation is now but um we can definitely definitely have big plans ready for when we're able to open so that's my hope my hope is that everybody just bands together and pulls through yeah (laughs) yeah yeah I mean there's so many things 
it's so strange. You know, here we are in this this situation where we've never been before. We've never had to think about these things before. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so the opportunity to think outside of the box that's always been prescribed is amazing. So my hope is that people, you know, band together to look at things that never even were on the table before and, and propose them as opportunities for the future. Because my anticipation is that for the long term, we're going to be developing a lot of digital content. Um, because people mm-hmm. while will not be able to to come and go as as readily as they could before. So making sure that activities and opportunities and programming is available to anyone anywhere, I think is the wave of the future. And so how do you how do you uh, develop content that's new and exciting and and actually might take advantage of technology we haven't even explored yet? I, I think mm-hmm. that's, that's an amazing opportunity right now. So. Yeah, we've been doing, um, you know, some more things recently. So we're back doing story times on Facebook Live. So I just did one this morning and, and Jacob and I are doing it together outside on Fridays. And we've got like a little method. I think that's working really well. We won't be doing it this Friday because we're closed. It's funny to say that the library is closed when to the outside it looks like we're always closed. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but we're close in that I'm not going to work. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, um, uh, we started making videos with Daniel for the craft challenges for summer reading. Um, and that's been kind of fun. It seems like he's, he's really gotten into editing and. Um, yeah. He loves that. That camera that he got is amazing yeah. too. So. Yeah, and then having that tripod that he got, too, for our Friday story times is really nice. I have, like, a little, you know, fun- it functions as a tripod, this setup that I have at my house. Mm-hmm. Um, but to actually have something at the library is way better. Even though, like, the thing, because we have to do it on my phone because it's live on Facebook. So, like, Jacob... Um, you know, put together like a little like uh, tissue box holder for my phone. And then we nice. like rubber band that on the top of the tripod. <laughs> <laughs> it works really good. That's fantastic. <laughs> Innovation. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, like we're slowly getting the right equipment and stuff. But uh-huh. um, yeah, it's it's fun. Mm-hmm. I think we'll yeah, be doing more of those kinds of things and more collaborative things. Um, and using everybody's skills as much as possible. I hope so. I hope so. I think it would be too. It would be. It would be fun too to just kind of do an inventory of everybody's hidden skills and talents, <laughs> and just kind of see how that could be um, reinvented online. And I do know that Daniel has uh, started to reach out to our former program people to see mm-hmm. if they would be willing to come in and do their presentation to be presented online. And I think that's a great idea too, because we can, we can, we can practice all the social distancing recommendations and all those things um, easily that way uh, and still provide people with that program. I do know also that Humanities Washington, which we had received grants for presenters to come all year, um, three of them, 
they are now providing their content online. So he is working with Humanities Washington to schedule an online presentation of the the people that we had already scheduled mm-hmm. to present. So that's great, you know, that that's, yeah. those entities are making it available to us as well. Yeah, and then Mike and me, the band that we hired to do our summer picnic, which we won't be doing the picnic part um, this year, but they, they do like um, – video dance parties. Oh, fun. <laughs> and so that's what we're going to be doing with them. Very cool. Um, yeah. So I'm kind of still working with like a little bit of the details with them, but um, they've been doing it for a couple of months. So they've mm-hmm. got like all the, all, uh, it all figured out. And because, because restrictions have been eased up a little bit mm-hmm. there, because there's like three dads in a band. Okay. Um, when they were doing it, like in March, April, May, they each had to like come in remotely and play together. Mm-hmm. But now the three of them can get together and play as mm. a band. Mm. Um, so that's good. That makes yeah. a big difference. Mm-hmm. Probably easier yeah. for that. Mm, I'll bet. I'll bet. It's, you know, the thing about zoom or whatever, like Skype, Skype's a little bit different, but zoom, like you're in, you're in a zoom meeting and where we, you would have an opportunity to collaborate musically where all of you are playing at the same time, it's not quite the same because once one person starts making noise, it blocks out the other person mm-hmm. that was making noise. So you can't really do that on zoom. So, you know, Skype is a little bit different because you and I can block each other quite easily. On Skype. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think, and I haven't really explored those sounds in groups on other platforms, but it's worth looking into. I, I know that um, Lydia uh, keeps getting um, notifications from Western Washington that mm-hmm. they're going to be having um, on-campus classes in the fall. And obviously that's a little concerning for me because you don't want your kid going off to get sick by herself off far away. But the idea is that they're going to be a hybrid model. So mm-hmm. she studies chemistry And so she does need to get in to do labs and things Mm -hmm. like that. And so they're going to have instruction online, but labs on campus. Mm -hmm. And I think that they would be able to, you know, monitor that and socially distance. Their rooms are big enough and their Mm -hmm. their equipment is, you know, movable. So I think they they could do that. okay. but it's it's still a little disconcerting. So, yeah, that's what they've been doing at LCD is just having like labs and stuff like that on campus. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And it is in. Like, it does seem like a little early to say, like, oh, we'll for sure be able to have school. Yeah, given how, like, things are changing, you know, day to day or week to week. Right. Um, like, sometimes it's better and then it's worse again. Yeah, like, like when they had been planning on doing the Washington Library Association conference in person, <laughs> I was like, what are, you, what are you guys thinking? Yeah, exactly. Especially since we're counting by county if, like a whole bulk of presenters from a particular county couldn't come because they were on a different phase, then mm-hmm. how would they do the conference without them? Correct. Anyways, yeah. but like last week they decided that that was a bad idea and they're just going to do an internet conference. So yeah. I think they were just it. trying to be optimistic, you know, but yeah. And that's kind of like ALA's conference. I went to it last week and you know, what could you expect, really? Mm-hmm. You know, it's not the same experience by any stretch of the imagination, but it's something. It's some way to keep professional contact or or involved in your professional group um, in a time when it might not have been otherwise 
available to you. So, mm-hmm. so, you know, it's great to have the online opportunity, but we all have to remember that it just never is going to be the same as mm-hmm. what we're used to. So, yeah. And I wonder a little bit too, about how much, cause you have to submit your proposals for the conference, like pretty far in advance, like how yeah. much you still want to talk about something that you, you know, in February you were excited about. And now you're <laughs> like, well, that's, I can't, you know, like, <laughs> that's irrelevant. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, I one of the things that was the most disappointing to me, and, and you'll understand this um, from last week, was that I couldn't get all the pens that I wanted. To... <laughs> and the post-its. <laughs> it's one of the highlights for me is going to get all that swag, and it's like who's got yeah. the coolest pen? <laughs> but I didn't get a single pen, not no. one. Yeah, and then some of the publishers and stuff were doing, like, galley bag, grab bags, and you could sign up, and they, like, mail you some. Mostly, it's, I think they're still doing e-galleys, mostly. They, but. Most of it was e-galleys, yeah, and I got some of those, but, you know, it's just not the same. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it's a little and hard. It's like, yeah. <laughs> like, I think, like, the good thing about, especially, like, a big conference is, like, all of the print publisher galleys. Like, I can get an e-galley any day of the week. Exactly. Several. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. And and the the idea that you're going to get something that isn't available to others right now is mm-hmm. kind of exciting too, but Yeah. Yeah, so it was a little bit a little bit of a a letdown. I did, you know, I I uh, sent you some of the information that mm-hmm. of the things that I attended. And and even then, you know, I was I was a little bit disappointed at how it was handled and I think I mentioned this to you also about you know why were we on a schedule when all of the things were available on video you know at 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 different times you know why did we have to sign up to be on a schedule (laughs) it's like yeah it was very strange and then in the app it was one thing and then online it was something else and and um the very first day the website broke and you could only access it on the app. So, I mean, it was fixed fairly quickly, but still. But I, you know, I I went to several of the different presentations, and I, because it was on demand, many of them were available on demand. I went to more than I probably would have mm-hmm. uh, if it were live, um, mm-hmm. because you can't be in two places at once. And mm-hmm. several of them were happening at the same time. So that was a bonus. Um, and I downloaded at all the slides so I can access the information anytime I want. So, so there were some positives from it, but, but all in all, it was definitely a different experience and you didn't get that networking. I didn't participate in any of the member chat opportunities mm. because that's just not my thing at all. But, um, I did miss the opportunity to chat with real people. Like, you know, mm. when you're, you're in the lines or whatever in the, in the, um, vendor area, you always have an opportunity to, to talk with people, strangers that share right. your same vision, passion, et cetera. But that wasn't there this time. So that was unfortunate. Yeah, I think sometimes, like, the best thing, like, about a conference is, like, if you're in a session and you learn about whatever the person's talking about, and then, like, the Q&A will often, mm-hmm. like, draw out, like, a lot of more interesting stuff, and then and then you can, like, stay and talk to other people who are, like, working on the stuff that you're trying to work on. Right. And, 
um, in a, like online environment that just doesn't work very well. No, well, even ways that like people try to make it work like that, it just it's like awkward, and then you're like, I don't know, I'll leave. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, and um, it's the same thing that I was mentioning before. The online platform doesn't necessarily give you the opportunity mm-hmm. to actually dialogue in a way that's mm-hmm. natural. It's kind of it's kind of a a strange discussion time. So. Mm-hmm. You know, where you have to be patient and let the next person talk and whatever. (laughs) Yeah. But it's it's interesting, too, though, because this, Your Shelf or Mine, Mm -hmm. uh, we -hmm. started after I went to the conference. And so, you know, I don't feel like I learned or participated in anything that's going to to spring me into action on a new program this time around. So. But thank goodness for that one, right? Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking, because um, I was doing the newsletter last night and putting it together, and like your little letter that you wrote for the community, and um, I was just thinking about the podcast and how it's really been like doing this. One of my favorite part of my jobs, like the past couple of years, yeah. and um, I'm really glad you got it going. Hey, me too. I'm glad you did too. I think it's fun. I mean, and my hope is that, you know, after my life settles down a little bit, I can call in and participate. But Mm -hmm. um, who knows, maybe, maybe we can uh, make it happen long distance, long term, you never know. But I am excited too, that other people are going to get a chance to play. You know, it is fun. And Mm -hmm. I don't think they realize how much fun it is. (laughs) They're going to get on here and like, where's the fun? (laughs) Yeah. You know, and it is funny. I was thinking about that, too. And like when I so when I first started at the Longview Library, there was somebody who had like wanted um, somebody from the library to do like a radio interview to talk about whatever. And you're like, you'll do it, Becky. And I was like, I just like, I don't even know. I just started here. I've never done anything like this before. (laughs) And you're like, it'll be good for you. So I did it. And now you're and, a dick. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny, like, that didn't happen at the time, but I was thinking, like, um, do the podcast a couple of times a month. And now I'm doing, like, videos and, like, live stuff and being recorded, like, almost every day as part of my regular work since the, you know, we closed for the pandemic. And it's, like, good thing I was prepared for that more. That's that. right. I told you it'd be good for you. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and it's, it's nice really a different kind of of job than you would imagine that you know. Yeah. Well, and 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 that's one of the things. Like when you're thinking about what what can happen in the future. Well, now you know, sky's the limit. You know, mm-hmm. you've got that skill in the bag and utilize it all the time and take advantage of that wherever you can because it's relevant and it's important. So, do it. Do it all the time. Yeah. I think I think the more the more outside of traditional we can get, the better we're going to be. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I I think that. Well, you know me. If you give me an opportunity to go talk to the public, I will take it, <laughs> regardless of who it is. I think the message needs to get out. So as long as you're willing to do it, it's definitely a benefit for the library. So keep it up. 
I think that maybe you'll part- have your own show in Florida too. Well, I was just thinking about that. Is that maybe we could have like a bi-coastal mm-hmm. uh, presence <laughs> where we'll have our show and you'll have your show, and then we can meet in the middle somewhere. Yeah. And then we could do the touring show that we talked about. Yeah, absolutely. You. Wow. How would we do that? I we think could, like we'll figure it out. Yeah. Like we could take road trips, but I would start uh-huh. here and drive there and you would come this way. And I have no idea. We'd figure it out. It'd be cool. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> We're going to have to talk to the National Institute of Humanities to help us out. Yeah. With this. <laughs> <laughs> I think that uh, falls under the CARES Act funding. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Or maybe we could get like an advance for a book deal or something. There you go. Even better. <laughs> Dang. So many plans, man. <laughs> yeah. People make books out of podcasts all the time. Yeah, I don't see. I think this would be an awesome one. So. <laughs> well, um, our our book topic that we're talking about today. And that kind of goes along with the stuff that we've been saying in its own way. And the category we chose for today is a book about a library or bookstore. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, books, libraries, or bookstores. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to go first? I will go first because I um, wasn't impressed. So I'll go ahead and go first and get it out of the way. So, and and I don't want to say that it was a bad book. It wasn't a bad book. It wasn't my style of book. Um, I finished it because I started it. And that's what you do, right? Um, that's but, what I do. <laughs> uh, but. Uh, um, well, that's what I used to do. Right. Things have changed. <laughs> You will again. Don't I worry. will again. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, it, it, I checked this one out as an audiobook on Hoopla because, as you know, I'm only doing audiobooks lately because mm-hmm. my brain's only working in that uh, sense right now. Um, but this one was called One Book in the Grave and it's by Kate Carlisle. And it's kind of a cozy mystery. And this is actually her, the second one in this series. Um, Well, it's not even a series. I guess it's a series, but it's not a trilogy or anything like that. It's just involving this person. So episodic type of series. Yeah. So it's kind of like a, well, it's kind of like Hamish Macbeth where each story is the same characters, but different plots that don't need to go together. So, so this one is called, um, one book in the grave again, and it involves Brooklyn who is a woman who is a bookbinder by trade, which is where all this started. Um, But in, and I don't know much about the book before this one, um, but it's part of the bibliophile mystery series is what this is called. And the Brooklyn grew up in a cult. Wow. Yeah. So it looks like she's got a couple of them, too. But she grew up in a cult in California. And um, I didn't read the first the one before this, so I don't know what all that entailed. But um, it comes up every now and again in the story about how, you know, they grew up in this small community of cult members and and they had their own beliefs. And it's very yoga and meditation kind of cult. Um uh, but then she she is hired to do a bookbinding job for a friend of hers who runs a 
um, museum or books or, or library. I think it's a library. Um, yeah, it's a library. And um, so she call she goes in to go check out this book that she's going to um, bind, fix the fix the uh, cover on it. And it's a book that a Beauty and the Beast book that she had actually given to a friend of hers who had subsequently died. And then the oh. book was stolen from his uh, wife's home after he had died and, and they never recovered it. And so here it showed up at this um, library and she was the one called to fix it. And so that's where the mystery starts because she was requested to come okay. fix it. Um, by the person who sold the book to the library. So mm-hmm. here we go. It's already mm-hmm. started. So um, after she starts um, looking at the book, she tells the guy, oh, this is uh, bad because this book was stolen. And I know it was stolen because I was the person that gave it to them. And so then she leaves and the guy's like, all right, we'll figure out what's going on. And she leaves to go meet the man who sold the book to him. So she goes to this bookstore. And when she gets there, the guy is dead. So already it starts. And then while she's in there with the dead person, um, she is she hears something. So she chases after whoever's making the noise and um, the person gets away, which it was dumb why she was chasing that person anyway you know why would you chase somebody who's probably just murdered somebody yeah. but she chases and, and the person gets away you're just like then, a book finder exactly you're a book finder hello so then um she runs out after him and when she gets to her car her car has a a knife a book binding knife <laughs> in it um and it turns out the knife is her the friend of hers who died it used to belong to him and so the mystery starts right away as mm-hmm. to why are people yeah. dying over this book? And um, so then you get the idea. So these things keep happening and happening. And she's got a, a boyfriend who helped her in the last story. Um, and he used to be part of um, Britain's MI6. And so he's a big oh. time spy guy. <laughs> Killed lots of people in his day. <laughs> and so he's concerned about her. And, and so there's, there's there you'll understand right away why this book started to appeal to me less and less because all of a sudden it was more about this romance being built mm-hmm. up rather than a mystery and then the mystery became very very you know here we go let's just this is going to happen and then of course this is going to happen and this mm-hmm. is going to happen and then in the end it was a kind of a love triangle type of situation and um, I don't know how much I should spoil because how much should I spoil? Um, you see what they put in there. I don't know. Like just, just spoil it, but just, we'll just tell people. Spoil it. <laughs> Actually, I'm, I'm not going to spoil all of it because I can think I can do this without. What happens is that she teams up with a bunch of people from her cult, uh, her family, and oh. um, and her. What do you call a cult leader? He's not. Cult I mean, they don't leader. call him. Yeah, the cult leader joins in, <laughs> and and the mystery gets deeper after that, and mm-hmm. and revelations are made about situations not being what one might think they are. 
and that changes the the direction of the book completely and um then in the end um the romance plays out so yeah but it, i mean it wasn't a horrible book it just i wouldn't say it was very exciting and let me see this i read this such a long time ago so did you find it like like the mystery part predictable yeah i did i did i found it predictable and i found it kind of blah i was like i don't even care you know i mean sometimes you'll find a story that's kind of dumb but you're intrigued by Mm -hmm. what they're going to reveal and this one i was just not even interested i i did not um here's what i wrote and this would have been when did i have that book i don't even remember when i checked that out uh April. I read Mm -hmm. this back in April. So it's been a while. Here's what I wrote. I wrote, I was curious in the beginning, but really didn't like the main character after a while. So it was less about the story and more about her. I just didn't Mm -hmm. find her compelling and a lot of whining, a lot of, why is this happening to me? You're a character in a book, lady. <laughs> yeah, I think that um, it's it's one of those. It's a cozy for sure. It's a cozy mystery. So um, it's set in California, so that it's not you know that cozy. But it is one of those cute. Is that a word that you would use? It's cute. It's a word. I wouldn't say I liked the story. I. I didn't like Brooklyn Mm -hmm. and that's probably what ruined it is that I didn't like Brooklyn. So, and she, she, I don't care, you Mm. know, she could go live her life. She's fine. (laughs) You don't feel interested in learning. learning Exactly. I'm not ever going to go read the one before it. And, you know, I, I, None of the characters compelled me enough to jump up and say, oh, man, I, I really want to know more about what's going on. The Even the guy, the dead guy, you know, his story was blah. And so it's like, well, I don't even care enough about his blah story to wonder about why he's dead. So, I mean, that's bad, right? That's not a good sign. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. Yeah. I, I don't want to diss it though because it's not a it's not a bad book it's just not for me not mm-hmm. at all what i enjoy i think somebody i think other people would enjoy it quite a bit and especially those people who liked who like um that kind of uh uh california cult vibe i think they'd really get a kick out of i mean that. i kind of like that you probably you might like it i don't know i think you might be disappointed at the the mm-hmm. level the the depth there's not a lot of depth you know, and and it's it's interesting because when you start talking about mysteries, I mentioned the Hey Macbeth stories. Those mysteries were good, you know, where you would be slightly in suspense, slightly thinking you knew what was going on, but the story was always entertaining. Whereas mm-hmm. this one, I didn't feel necessarily entertained, and I certainly wasn't challenged on mm-hmm. what I thought was going on. And then what what seemed like should have been a plot twist was just far too predictable so Mm. so even a plot twist was was wasn't even there for me so yeah darn it 
Oh, well. It's a shame, it's a shame that the last one has to be a downer. <laughs> it's a dud. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, the other thing I was thinking of, too, is that maybe maybe if the reader on this audiobook had been a little more, I don't know, entertaining. Engaging. Yeah. Maybe that I would have felt differently. But all in all, I was I was not picked up and carried away. That's too bad. It is oh, too wow. bad. It's too sad. The book that I read, um, I only liked it okay also. Ah, man. Yeah, and it's like, um, so the book I read is called Eight Perfect Murders, and it's mm-hmm. by Peter Swanson, and he uh, is a mystery writer that I'd heard good things about before, but I hadn't read anything by him before. I think I had a book um, checked out for a while that I had to return because I never read it. <laughs> um, but this is his newest one, and it just came out, like, earlier this year. And it's about a man called Malcolm, who okay. is – he's pretty young, like, in his late 30s. And he owns uh, – he co-owns and manages um, a mystery bookstore – And he is a widower. And um, at the beginning of the book, it's like a a snowstorm is coming. And so he's the only person at the bookstore. And he sent his, like, employees home. And it takes place in, like, Philadelphia, something like that. Um, Some East Coast city. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Something over there. Something over there. And, like, an... FBI agent comes into his bookstore and she's like you know I have a mystery for you basically um, that she's kind of uh, sussed out like a pattern in different like deaths and murders like not all of them had been like ruled homicide but a pattern in these um, deaths that she thinks is linked to mystery novels and then specifically a list uh like a little listicle that he had published on the um bookstore's blog when he Mm -hmm. first took it over like years and years ago called eight perfect murders and it's like his top eight murder mystery novels where he thought like the murder was unsolvable okay So so he has this list that he just maintains no, it was a list oh. that he wrote a long time ago. And oh, okay. okay. He, he's telling the, the the whole story in first person. Oh. Um, but he gives you that he tells you right away, you know, he just is giving you like bits and pieces of information. And you find out at the end that like this is like the narrative is his writing it and not like a, you know, omniscient first person where it's just what's going on in his head. Right. So he has like a an editorial voice also of like when he tells you things and when he doesn't tell you things. Ah. But of the eight perfect murders in this list. Oh, and so she comes in and she's like, you wrote this list like, you know, 10 years ago. And I think someone is using it to, to murder people. And the, the, there's a few like um, the ABC murders, which is Agatha Christie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like the most clear one where she's like, this is, seems like to be an obvious copycat murder here but there's just like a bunch of books i'd never read too so like i've never read abc murders strangers on a train was one of them death trap red house mystery 
Malice, A Forethought, Double Indemnity, The Drowner, and A Secret History. So of all of those, the only one I've read is A Secret History, which I wouldn't, I mean, I guess the murder mystery, but. Um, <laughs> Somebody <laughs> died. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, so if you're not interested in getting spoilers for any of those mystery novels, like don't read the book. <laughs> Well, now you don't have to read those others. Now you're sad. I, I could read them, and, like, it, I don't think it would really change. If they're good books, then that doesn't really change it necessarily. Yeah. And I also didn't really absorb enough from this book to be like, oh, yes, and that thing. Um, but I think if you were big fans of those books, it might be, like, a more interesting uh, story for you. Anyways, so she sees him as, like, an expert because he had written this list, and she's like, they're trying to both uh, find in these, like, cold cases or deaths that were ruled, like, accidental that might be related to this, um, like, murder spree, serial murders, or also prevent, like, more from happening and find the person who did it. And he's like, yeah, I'll help you. And But then in the narration, he's like but I'm not telling her all the truth, you know? So he's like telling you that he's not telling you everything. Uh-huh. He's also not like telling you everything all of the time necessarily. Um, but he, uh, he really gets into it. And like, as the story goes on, you like learn more about him and his past. So his wife who had died um, had been like a, a drug addict and she had died in a car accident and um, they had kind of a, like a weird relationship where he kind of just almost like ignored her, her problems. And there's some infidelity and stuff there, just like hoping that she'd just get better and like, you know, Hoped for the like best. That he could al- yeah. And it would like, you know, return to him or whatever. I don't know. Sure. Um, so, but he, as the book goes on, like tells you more and more about their relationship too. Uh-huh. Um, and then, trying to investigate these murders and then he finds that like um because somebody leaves a comment on his blog Mm. um that indicates that whatever the murderer is doing has to do with him in some way and that they know something about him that he doesn't want like the fbi to know Mm -hmm. so he's you know trying to help the fbi so he can find this person but also wants to find him first so that the FBI doesn't find out his secret thing. Uh-huh. So um, you're really, like, in his head the whole time, and he's not, you know, like, particularly sympathetic character or anything like that. Uh-huh. Uh, and the way the way it goes on, I think, like, he, you know, it's – I think that kind of mystery I like is the one where there's, like, kind of, like, a, you know, trail of crumbs – where you can, like, solve it on your own before, like, the main person does. But this is the kind of mystery where, like, the narrator just kind of, like, slows you, tells you, slowly tells you facts. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why I'm not, like, head over heels about it or anything, even no. though it's, like, it's well-paced and interesting. And also, like I said, I think if I knew those books that he wrote about, like, I... You might have a deeper knowledge, yeah. Sure, or more like deeper appreciation for it. Sure, sure. Um, And it also does a little bit of, like, the cozy thing where it's, like, you know, he goes to the bar and he orders, like, this particular beer and then he drinks this particular beer. And it's, like, 
like a lot of details about like his daily life that I don't care about or aren't important to the book like mm-hmm. a cozy mystery would do mm-hmm. like then they went to the salon and got their nails painted that's like, exactly <laughs> oh and this is what, what is I wore oh. <laughs> uh, like, I don't need to know that like Wednesday was a boring day you can just skip to Thursday Aye. when it was exciting thank you yeah. <laughs> um, so I have a little bit of that where I'm like I like a lot of like the beers that he drank oh, I'm like I get that you like different kinds of beers but <laughs> I just don't care yeah uh. so it's kind of like a mixed bag like in the end I was like oh this was an interesting book but like I didn't like tear through it like I would if it was like a really good mystery where I like had to know what happened yeah so. Yeah, I, I wait for the day when we have books that we can just tear through again, where <laughs> where our mental capacities are such yeah. it's, it's tear throughable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, what if I read, I mean, I've read, I'm, I'm getting uh, back and I'm getting a little bit out of my reading slump. So I've been able to like catch up a bit on like the graphic novels I'm reading for the committee, which is good because that's a, you know, like a commitment I made. Right, yeah. I, I did oblige. Yeah, I did tear. <laughs> I guess this is a science fiction book called. It's kind of like a horror thriller science fiction mm-hmm. called Cold Storage mm-hmm. by David Cope, and that was something like a patron had recommended to me on the desk like last fall, and he was like, "This is really good," and it's like pretty gross. Oh no! Uh, it's like about so like in the in the eighties, like a piece of um. Skylab fell down in this like rural part of Australia where this small like Aboriginal uh, community lived and something in it like made them all sick and die. And when the, (laughs) they go to investigate it, these American agents and a scientist go to investigate it. It's like this fungus that is just like rapidly evolving fungus that can just like destroy everything. And so they like, they take a sample of it mm-hmm. and they have to nuke the little town to like destroy the rest of it. And then they store the sample in this underground storage, mm-hmm. like this deep underground storage facility in like the Southwest or like something like that, Utah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And, and over the years, it has been turned into like the top level of the storage as to like commercial storage, just for like, people um and then like 30 years later like the fungus like it gets out and so it's like infecting like a couple of people near this in you know involved in the storage facility and the guy who was like the fbi agent in the 80s who had been part of the team that contained it he has to like come back and try to destroy it before it like takes over the world because how, how the fungus works is it like kills you, but then can like control your, you know, body and stuff. Uh-huh. And it's only, you know, goal of surviving is to like replicate itself and to infect more people. But it's like a smartly What's evolving. What's that book called? It's called Cold Storage. Cold Storage. It really reminded me, and and some of the things that it describes were like gross. It was uh-huh. like, uh, like medically gross. Uh huh. But it reminded me of like an of like an X Files episode. Uh huh. There is something, something so familiar about that fungus thing on your brain that's striking something, but I can't quite place what it is. Might be like something from a Michael Crichton novel. Well, Michael Crichton. I'm gonna think about it because there's. I read something. 
I've read a lot of zombie books in my day, so yeah. it could be any one of those. I yeah, it's like a zombie zombie quality to it. The guy who wrote it, this is his first novel, but he's a screenwriter, okay. and so he's done about a he adapted Jurassic Park, and he did like a few different big movies. Uh-huh. Um, it's kind of like the girl with all the powers. Is that what I never called? read that. Yeah, yeah. it's like. I know what you're talking about, but I never yeah. read it. Yeah, that that involved spores of some sort. So. Yeah, it's pretty gross. Like there's this, <laughs> um, like you know, it's like the, the girl with all like, the gifts, not powers. Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, the fungus has like detached his stomach from the. I just want to say there's a fungus among us. That's all I want to say. <laughs> Um, but it's weird to read a book like that in the middle of, like, a pandemic. <laughs> Especially one that's contagious as heck. <laughs> yeah. But this is much worse. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad it's not real then, because this yeah. is bad enough. No, and it's based off of, I think, there's, like, a fungus that these ants in, like, South America can get, where, like, it takes over the ant and it makes the ant do stuff. Fortunately, they're tiny ants, and that's not going to be a big problem. <laughs> like, overall, I didn't necessarily like this cold storage book more than I liked Eight Perfect Murders, but it was a much faster read, and I just, like, read the whole thing. So yeah. I was like, are they going to survive? You know. <laughs> that's good. That's good. Yeah, I, I have um, a bunch of books on my to-read list, but I just haven't been able to, to do anything lately, so... Mm-hmm. I have a, I mean, obviously I'm, I'm packing a house and, and getting things ready. So, but I do appreciate having access to audiobooks because I can still pack with my headphones on. So the trick is just now finding a book that holds my interest long enough for me to pay attention. Yeah. Cause if you do get into a really good book, it can be like, you have to find another chore to do so you can keep listening to exactly. your Exactly. Well, Axel has been listening to a lot of books and he, for whatever reason, had been putting off reading Harry Potter. And I think it was mostly because his sisters kept insisting that he do it. And so he's like, no, I'm not going to. But he did finally. uh, And he he listens to a lot of audiobooks um, Mm -hmm. and he did the whole Twilight series on audiobook. I told you about that, him playing that. Yeah. So um, he started reading or listening to the Harry Potters because they're available to everyone without a wait. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he took advantage of that and really enjoyed it. He he listened to it straight. I mean, however many hours that yeah. sucker is, he just listened to it. And then he really wanted to start listening to the Chamber of Secrets. And he was number 300 on Nibby, and so Matilda and Lydia gave him their copy of the book Mm -hmm. book and so he has that you know so if he ever breaks down doesn't want to wait anymore he has that ready to go but on it was funny because the listening part of it um he really enjoys it quite a bit I you know and I think it's because he can still do other things while he's listening Mm -hmm. to the book um, but he's so interested in getting that book that he checks where he is in line every day. Aww. But it's going down fast. He was 200 and something yesterday, and he just put it on hold last week. So to go from 300 to 200 in, in a week yeah. is pr- pretty amazing. So it was good. Yeah. 
Yeah, our Harry Potter reread for the month of July. So July 31st is going to be Harry Potter's 40th birthday. Uh-huh. You can believe it. <laughs> um, the character, not the book series. Right. But, um, so yeah, I'm going to be doing some stuff rereading the books on our, probably mostly on our Instagram page. Nice. Um, but yeah, I think I'm going to try to get my dad to read them. He never, he never read any of them. My mom read, I think the first three years and years ago. Uh-huh. I, um, didn't finish all of them either I started and I read them with the kids and the kids have finished them the girls have mm-hmm. but I you know they left me way behind so which was the last one you read um probably Chamber of Secrets I I that I oh, read really them. far behind yeah, yeah. Like oh and then really they get good <laughs> well and and I didn't I didn't fall in love with them the way that they did they really enjoyed them and I just you know they were good stories but that's all they were they weren't something that you know propelled me forward <laughs> and then there were the movies so yeah I definitely don't super care for the movies early on during stay home there I watched a couple of them because they were like on tv they're on whatever on hulu um some channel that was showing it but it just makes me think it just makes me sad that they could have been better yeah well that's like lord of the rings you know that was and has been and and probably will continue to be a huge cult classic uh and the movies when you talk to people who are diehard lord of the rings fans they refuse to acknowledge that movies have been made it's the same idea (laughs) yeah i well and and that's the way movies always are though you know no matter how well done they are there's going to be some aspect that's lost so yeah i think the trick to making a good movie adaptation of a book is taking a book that's not very good (laughs) <laughs> making a good movie out of it. Yeah, because sometimes you're like, I've, I've there's a couple of times where I've read a book and I was like, this would be a better movie. Yeah. Well, it's it feels almost like a screenplay sometimes where mm-hmm. you're missing so much and that stuff would be put in by actors, so. Yeah, and I think, too, like this book, Cold Storage, which I just read, which was written by a screenwriter, I'm uh-huh. like, this could easily be a movie. And uh-huh. it could be... I think you can include everything that's in the book in a movie because a lot of it is just like gross descriptions of like the fungus multiplying. Yeah. Yeah. um, You know, it's like an action (laughs) movie, but in a book. Well, you know, more like a thriller type of, Mm. you know, kind of like a children of God. Is that what it was? I never read that or saw the movie, Mm. but yes, that exists. Yeah. <laughs> but I know it exists. <laughs> I am aware. <laughs> yeah. So there's some movies where I'm like, this is better than the book. Like I thought Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants was a better movie than a book. I think with that one, you know, the I think that having the friendships on screen did a lot for that one. So Yeah. 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 Um and there's probably other ones I just can't think of them right now. Yeah. I you know and and, and I stand by my my uh, decision to if I really enjoyed the book I don't need to see the movie. I I just don't. I just enjoyed what I made of it in my head and I don't want to to take it apart because you know 
one thing that I would hate, and I have, I mean, this is what led me to, to, to do this is when you love a book so much and they ruin it so badly. And all you remember is how badly they ruined your beautiful book. Oh, that wow. I don't like that. I like just remembering that I loved that book. <laughs> and I think what you need to do is just like, reread the book again so that's the fresher thing in your mind that's what i should do yeah. yeah do you know there are some books that i well one in particular that i really wish they would be able to make because it was an amazing story and it's um the sparrow uh mary mm-hmm. doria russell i loved that book so much and it would be an amazing science fiction movie it would just be amazing but i don't think that they have the technology available to make it happen Oh, yeah. Um, they were going to make, so my favorite book series, which is The Raven Cycle, mm-hmm. Maggie Stiefvater, had gotten optioned or whatever for a show, and it was shopped around a bit, and I think it landed at, like, sci-fi, but then it um, fell apart. Yeah. I think, well, I do know that, I do I know that this Pharaoh was some, optioned. Yeah. I think they might have even done some casting before it was just, like, this isn't going to work. Yeah. Well, that's but the thing is, a pilot and stuff. Yeah, that's the thing is that those stories are pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. And so you think, wow, this would be an amazing show or a movie. And then the reality of being able to make it happen sets in yeah. that you just can't. You can't. I mean, the technology doesn't exist. The ability doesn't exist yet. But one day I, it might. Yeah, I'd never thought that that would be a good show, mm-hmm. really. I mean, it'd be kind of like campy. I think it would end up being like campy and kind of mm-hmm. silly and you might just watch it and enjoy it for what it is. But like, I don't, I don't see how they could have made it like a really good. Well, version. yeah, I, I read the first two, um, of that series and I lost interest because it's, it aged me out. I felt like I wasn't, mm-hmm. I couldn't, I couldn't think like a teenager. Uh, and it feel, felt like you needed to be able to to think um, as an unjaded person <laughs> to be able to to be able to get a lot of enjoyment out of it. And mm-hmm. and I mentioned that to you before is that I felt like I felt like it wasn't for me. Um, uh, but I enjoyed the first one quite a bit. But then the second mm-hmm. one took a turn that I just couldn't keep up with it anymore. So. So, but I could see how it would be kind of like a, I don't know, I hate to say this out loud because um, it's not nice, but it seemed very Twilight-ish in the first, if you were to adapt it to a movie, it would seem like Twilight-ish. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't think that's necessarily a good thing. <laughs> yeah, I think maybe not that. I mean, definitely like you could do it that way and it would be like you know, not very, you know, like whatever. I was thinking it, it would probably end up being more kind of like Buffy-ish. Oh, yeah. If it were a, like, the series? Yeah, in like a kind of a campy way where you, you know, it's like not as, that's, you know, it would become, I think, campy, whereas the books aren't like that at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I could see that, I guess. Um but then again, when you talk about Buffy, there's a certain population that that appeals to a sure. lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like Matilda, she owns that series. Mm-hmm. She liked it. So. Yeah. No, I know so many people who like love Buffy. Yeah. 
Yeah. But I don't know. I think, I think that it will be interesting to see what happens because they can't make movies. They can't do anything right now. It'll be interesting to see if they are too taking advantage of this time away to develop their skills and increase their capacity in, in different areas to be able to give us our books the way we want them on screen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then tell different kinds of stories too. Yeah, I think it'll definitely there'll be impacts on media for sure. We oh, gotta well. make a difference one person at a time, right? Yeah. Right. I'll read a book. I got a couple. <laughs> well, and to that end, Becky has made a reading list available for people, or you had recommended some different books that were available. I think that Jennifer put one in a carousel on the oh, um, yes. webpage yes, of different books that are available for mm-hmm. people to read um, to expand your mind, open your eyes a little bit. Yep. Yeah, there's a couple of carousels on the homepage of our catalog. Um, that are targeted for like kind of different age groups too. We all ought to come out of this better people. That'd be good. I, I say you all should do it. Just do it. <laughs> Listen to me. That's right. Oh my gosh. My nephew, he is uh, two and a half and he mm-hmm. has started, he has started, um, doing this whenever he's he's being funny and he wants you to do something he started going go do it now <laughs> it's just like a super deep voice oh, it is the so funniest funny. thing <laughs> like what did, did satan just jump into that child <laughs> do it now <laughs> yeah. anyway mm. well so i guess uh that's it for my last, your shelf or mine for the time being. We won't call it my very last because I'll, no. I'll make a point to do it again. But right, for now, right. for the time being. So your last, it. your last is our adult services librarian. Correct. That is a true statement. Yeah. And um, so for next time, Daniel's going to come on with me. And I was talking to him about, a, about reading a book with a horse on the cover but i think i might see if he wants to talk about harry potter instead um in line with our reread project and stuff but we'll see what what he wants to do sure and then um the next couple of months i'm going to be kind of rotating different people from library staff in to talk to me about uh books and other stuff that we're doing so it might be a good way for you to get them back to concentrating on the reading challenge yeah <laughs> yeah I mean it, it is hard because I you know obviously I want people to read and talk about books but I also deeply understand how hard it is to like focus and concentrate on finishing a book um right now um sometimes yeah uh, yeah I think it's I but even if it's just a little bit it's mm-hmm. good yeah. You know, even if you start one and you can't finish it, it's still good to talk about it. I mean, it makes you get outside of your head a little bit too. And, 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 you know, I have been saying this for the whole time that we've been in lockdown that it is really important for us to make sure that we are keeping track of each other and our mental health because 
you know, sometimes you don't recognize that you're having issues. And so it's nice to have somebody else kind of keeping tabs on you. Mm-hmm. And so having people asking them to read something and talk about it might help them kind of, you know, step away from whatever is is really nagging at their brains and give them a chance to to not be worried and not be scared and not be afraid of what's coming next. So anyway, another plug for mental health. (laughs) (laughs) This is my last day. I got to get it all in. (laughs) I know. Do you have anything else? Did you prepare a statement? (laughs) Do you have any, any podcast specific (laughs) reflections? No, it's been great. I am so Huh? What's been your favorite? Out of all of them? I don't know. There have been, you know, sometimes some have been obviously better than others, but I, every time I listen to them again, I still crack up. So mm-hmm. they've been fun. They've been good. And it's been fun doing them with you. So thanks for that. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> but then that's it. That's all I got. All right. Well, on that note, I guess we will sign off. Thanks for listening to Your Shelf. Or mine. I'm Becky. I'm Elizabeth. Bye. Bye. Studio time for Your Shelf or Mine is donated by KLOG, Cook and Country, and 1015 The Wave. We at the Longview Public Library thank our local stations for their ongoing support. Your Shelf or Mine jingle is written and performed by Megan McKeldry from A Song for You. Find Megan on Facebook or Twitter at Meg McKeldry or online at ReverbNation.com slash Megan McKeldry. That's M-E-A-G-H-A-N-M-C-E-L-D-E-R-R-Y. ReverbNation.com slash Megan McKeldry. All right, I'm going to pull up my book and be ready for all of that action.